Susie Hale. Uh, Adam and I served together on staff at Eagle Mountain Baptist Church in Fort Worth during seminary days and taught with Susie at Lake Country Christian School. Adam was somewhere in there too then, so that I remember. But uh, we uh, really good friends, and it's one of those things where you see somebody every, how often do you guys come home now? Every three or four years, right? And it's the same as when you left off. And uh, we got to hang out and take them up to uh, Bishop's Castle yesterday and go see the Sangre de Cristos and and they shared last night with uh, the church family. And now they're going to show us all kinds of pictures. And I had to set this up too. But I'm going to pray for them as they go, as they get rolling here. Lord, thank you for today. I pray for Adam and Susie as they share about your work in Africa. Thank you for their faithfulness and following you where you lead. And it's a challenging thing to at all times. But I thank you for their heart for evangelism, telling others about you. And may, uh, may you bless your church. And realizing that they are missionaries through our agencies, the International Mission Board. And I pray that you will uh, just show our church how these gifts continue to go forward and seeing the nations come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, good morning. And so we're going to practice a couple things. I want you just to respond. Mzuri. Mzuri. It's M. Z-U-R-I, and you're just going to say mzuri. I'll tell you what it means after you respond. Just to, <laughs> just to touch. So, habari ya subuhi. Mzuri. There you go. You guys now know Kiswahili for well. I'm doing well. So, habari ya subuhi. How are you this morning? Mzuri, doing well. Uh, and so now, and then we could say it in Malagasy. Yama, anybody remember our Malagasy? What you'd say for hello? <laughs> Salama. Or Akuri, we learned that a few years ago. I'm surprised uh, not all of you remember it. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you practiced it. Uh, and then you're, uh, you're not greeting each other that way now. <laughs> <laughs> and then you may know this one, Buenos Dias. Yeah, we probably recognize that one a little more. And so, but that's part of just kind of life as a missionary. You learn greetings in different ways and how it all works from how it shakes. And so, how to shake hands to how everything is just going to to knowing when to say something and when to say it's just good. Even if it's all bad, you just answer good sometimes. Uh, and so, but that's part of life. And so we're excited to be here. Uh, we are your missionaries by extension and the, the Southern Baptist Convention serving in Nairobi, Kenya now after serving in Madagascar for the past nine and a half years before moving there. And so it's a privilege and honor to be back. It's, it's always great to reunite with uh, Greg and Allison and the kiddos. And we, it is right, it's one of those that we, it's like time never really stop besides us getting older uh it's, that's that's about it but the friendship is still there so we appreciate it. and to come see all of you again this is uh, such a blessing so we're happy and blessed to be here so we want to show you a picture of the family because after greetings since they're such an important part of the african culture it's updates on the family i even heard someone last night here say how are the grandkids you get an update on the family so here's a picture of the family to remind you we have four children phoebe emma bailey and river and as you see in the next slide, Phoebe and Josh are married. We now have a son-in-law. So when you see our updated prayer card, and if you want to pick up one of these after the service, we have a grown man besides Adam in our prayer card, and that's our son-in-law. We're still getting used to saying that. They've been married for two weeks. We just had a wedding recently, and so we're excited to welcome Josh into our family. And in the next slide, you can see um, the girls. Um, since we moved to Nairobi, Phoebe and Emma got to come visit us there over Christmas. Um, and backtracking a little bit, Phoebe graduated 
from Texas A&M University in May, yep. just before she got married. And then Emma, who's here with us today, is in her last year at the University of Mary Harden Baylor. So crew. So almost college graduate, almost college graduate. We're very proud of them. Our daughter Bailey that was with us last time, she's finishing up her sophomore year of high school and she's doing that online since we're here in the States this time. And so she didn't come with us this trip so that she could work on school. And then finally, Riverbug, he's here with us and he just finished first grade. Both River and Bailey will be going to Roslyn Academy in Nairobi, which is an international Christian school. Now that we live there, they can attend that school. So we're really excited about that opportunity. And so there is an update on the kids. Now, as we were sharing last night, we transitioned roles from being church planners and the strategy leaders for all of Madagascar to now we have two roles. One is a mouthful, first term training catalyst. And I don't even think our own personnel like to say that. Um, but it means we're just in charge of all new missionaries that come out to sub-Saharan Africa and we work with them. And then the other role we have is we're the Nairobi city team leaders. And so we went from very bush rural work to now working in a city of 4.5 million. They, some people say 8 million people there if you take in all the little suburbs. And so life has changed a lot for us and what everything looks like and how we do things. Um, but Christ has not. And so that's always the good news. So as we serve him, he never changes. And so we get to learn a lot of things. Today we're going to talk through three components that we use as we're training up the new missionaries that are coming to sub-Saharan Africa. And it's no, be, do. And we'll walk through each one of those, but we want to challenge you with those ideas as well. And you'll understand more as we go through. But it's based upon 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. And I'm going to read that for us this morning. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So as we think about knowing, being, and doing, we think about the fact that we are new creations. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are reconciled to him, and we're called to reconcile others to him as well. And so we'll talk about know. So knowing that we're new creations, that God has something, that there are things we need to know. As missionaries come to the field, there are certain things they need to know. And so part of knowing, and you just learned, if you might have already forgotten how to say mzuri, uh, but you learn how to say well. So there's things like that that you know. So language and culture mm -hmm. is a major part of mission work. And we, all new units that come out, are normally required to spend at least six months to two or three years learning that language and culture, depending on the difficulty of where they're going. And so we want to help them be able to understand that. Uh, we want them to be able to know the nuances, to be able to sound as native as they can, mm -hmm. uh, and to do things well so they can communicate. And then we want them to have tools for how to do the job, how to share Jesus with others, or how to enter correctly into villages. And we'll, we'll walk through some pictures with that here in a second. Mm -hmm. And then we also want to know how to live in Africa. And, and certain little things, like a squatty potty. And if you don't know what a squatty potty is, we can talk after church. But how do you use a squatty potty? Uh, and those things. It's simple things like 
you have to wash your fruits and vegetables every time you buy them. Otherwise, you're going to get really sick. But not everybody thinks about that, especially many people that come from America to other parts of the world. And so we give them some very practical tools as well. Now, we were talking through, like, some things. So how do you enter? How do you go to a place like this, which is in Madagascar, where there's no more road, but the people are beyond the mountains? It's hard to prepare yourself for that. And you can prepare yourself physically to say, I can make the hike. But then you have to prepare yourself for how do you enter into a place that may have never seen a white person, sees you as an enemy, and then when you come in there, how do you properly approach them without causing danger for you or for them? And so we want to teach people how to think through those ideas of culture and understanding. Well, once you get to it, what is the gospel message you're going to share? What tool are you going to use for how you're going to share Jesus with them? Is it going to be a Roman's road to a very oral proficient learning people that have never read anything? Or is it going to be a different type of gospel person that may be more story-based? And so we want to help people understand how do you select the tools in your tool belt for being able to effectively communicate the good news of Jesus Christ to others. Now, this place here is a place that you can only get there. There's no roads to this part of Madagascar. Not a single road. You can ride on the back of a motorcycle, which I don't recommend. We flew in on a MAF plane, a Mission Aviation Fellowship plane, and came into this place, into this city. There are boats that come in from the ocean, but other than that, there's really no way to get there. So how do you effectively make disciples in a place that nobody can really get to unless they work hard uh, to make it to that place? And so, and then what do you teach them that can continue on? And then this is in the area of Andruri land. Once you start making disciples, how do you show love? How are you welcome? I think we shared with you one of the barriers that we found in Madagascar was that a white man coming, the kids were taught that if they were misbehaving, the white man would come and eat their ears off. Now, you notice there's a bunch of kids around me. So how do you break that barrier that they want to come and shake your hand? Like a lot of times it's a game and they come trembling with tears in their eyes because they shake your hand out of fear. But then later on, how can they accept you and say, oh, that's Adam, that's Susie? So we want to work in that. In this case, we were showing a Jesus film, and we were talking to them and, and working in the whole village. And so there's different things you have to do. And then how do you help? How do you help in some of the poorest hurt uh, areas of the world where people are hurting all the time? How do you provide the needs for them in a way that's not going to bring dependability on you, but it's going to be helpful for them not only now but in the future? And you have to think through that. And so we would do little rice packets for beggars, um, and then we would help out. This was during COVID time. Lots of people were suffering. And so we just had some things ready that would at least give them a small meal for that day of how we could help out. And then how do you baptize in places and waters where there's crocodiles and other dangers? We don't have this fancy baptistry a lot of times. <laughs> I'm not baptizing in this picture. I just want you all to know that. But how do you teach people to, to do that? How do you prepare them to be able to enter into those waters, to know when it's safe, not safe, to depend on the locals, to trust things? And so it can be very difficult in certain parts. And then how do you help new churches being formed, like in this case, gather together with the larger body of churches that may be in existence, in this case in Madagascar. And so you're taking a new church and you're allowing them to become a part of the convention. And what are the steps you take with that? And then to keep them healthy, to continue on in their work as a church so that the work continues. And then how do you survive? Right? And Madagascar, we love Madagascar because there's no venomous snakes and there are no large predators in Madagascar. Besides the crocodiles. Besides but the not crocodiles. Many of those. So you can walk anywhere in the open bush 
and not really worry that you're going to die by an animal there. But we move to mainland Africa. There are lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, <laughs> around there. And so we, we have to learn to be aware. And a lot of our, some of our colleagues love to camp, go to camping sites where they hear lions roaring around their tent at night, and then we'll post that as a celebration. That scares me, and I can't even imagine what that would look like. Because the tents aren't thick. We've no. stayed in some of those camps. And so we just think through those things, but how amazing it is that you have missionaries being sent to these parts, and then we're helping them learn how to be able to know when to be safe and when not to be safe in certain areas or how to, to avoid the dangers of not when What not to, to do safe. when you're not safe. But there are times that they step into it. And then you have beautiful animals like the giraffe and the, we say zebra in uh, Africa, but zebra is how we say it here. Uh, and there's other mispronunciations that we've learned to say. So you have all that knowledge, right? But the reality is, is that knowledge by itself will get you into trouble. I'm just going to be honest with you. Yeah, I can read all the books in the world, but until I really start doing that, I may make some mistakes. You can watch YouTube videos on how to hammer in a nail, but I guarantee you're going to hit your nail on your finger <laughs> at some point instead of the nail that you're trying to hammer in. Because you have to learn how to abide and be and know how to use this. And that's where the be comes into play for us. We don't want missionaries that just have knowledge, and we don't want just to have Christians sitting that, that have knowledge about God, but we want them to understand that if it's not for who God is and what Christ has done in them, then we can do nothing. And we live in that dependency in Christ. And that's what you find there in John 15, where Jesus just very simply tells them, I am the vine, you are the branches, he that abides in me and I in him. It is he that bears much fruit. And it says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And we have to live in that realization that all the knowledge in the world, without Christ being the center of who we are, doesn't amount to much. And so we want our missionaries to be able to live that out. And we want our lives to reflect that as well. One of the ways that we would say that is 1 Corinthians 10, 31. I was talking to you guys about this last night at our ice cream social, which was great, by the way. Uh, and it says, so whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And we were explaining to you that our ultimate desire for, for us and for others is that being a missionary isn't just a title, but it's a lifestyle. It's being so dependent on Christ that there's not a good time or a bad time. But it's just saying, God, whenever your time is right, we're ready to go and to do your will. And so that's the important part. And you can do that through eating and drinking, which I'm good at. <laughs> I'm not, not drinking anything bad, just Dr. Pepper <laughs> and water and things like that. Um, but eating, I love to eat. And we'll talk about some food. And the other aspect of being is helping our colleagues. So one of the things that we have as we think missionary tax, there's an exit to partnership idea of the end goal what we want and in sub-saharan africa we desire to see african churches sending african missionaries to the ends of the earth and so the one of the ways we do that is by training them up and equipping them and releasing them to the ministry and that was one thing we saw god do in the antanjuri region the antanusi regions just to give you a backstory as you look at this picture right here where we arrived in madagascar 10 years ago there was one church among these two people groups now there are over 100 churches. They live in the future. So today, over 100 churches have already met 
And there's over 200 preaching points that we're meeting as well. So you just think about this. Ten years ago, maybe 75 to 100 people gathered to worship Jesus. This day already, there have been over 10,000 people gathered in these areas. These are leaders that we have been building up that we're still working with, that still text me, that still check me. They've been telling me happy Father's Day. Uh, and so we worked hard to make sure that they know how to do things. Now, there's a couple people we'll introduce later that are there that are Malagasy that have been trained here. We also have missionaries like Washer here. His name is David Washer, but he goes by Washer Washer. So um, you can pray for him and uh, his family because they kind of replaced us in Madagascar. But it's not easy. Since we left them and we moved to Nairobi, they have had all sorts of sickness. They've had malaria a couple of times. They caught COVID, and there's not good medical attention. It's just been a tough struggle for them. So pray for them and other missionaries like them because it's not easy. Madagascar is still closed. There's no way to come in, and it's very hard to get out of there right now. We, we moved during COVID with it still being closed. We had to fly through France to get back to Kenya. Um, but God got us there, and so some people can leave, but not many are getting back into Madagascar. And so then you think of our colleagues and, and us, how do you help out? One of the ways we found to help out was school supplies, that that was a need that was always present, and every year people would need new supplies, so we would try to find ways to provide school supplies for them. This is a picture of notebooks and pens, and we put packets together, and then last year we were able to provide a lot of backpacks yeah. for people, which was a huge blessing. And then how do you get to them? Praise God, we had a Toyota Land Cruiser, and then we had a Toyota Hilux pickup the last couple of years, and they were strong, dependable vehicles. Uh, and so we would go up over mountains where there were no roads. We would go through river. desert, uh, through rivers, uh, water. That's why the snorkel's on there. So for any of you, as we said, that love just to go mudding for fun, I don't understand you anymore. It's not fun uh, because I would always say I don't want to be the guy that drove through the mud hole and killed the IMB's $40,000 car because I have to come back and report to you and say, sorry, churches, I cost you a lot of money this year because I try to go through what I probably shouldn't have gone to to get the gospel. And, and that's one thing, too. We want to know when to say yes and when to say no and when to hear God say, you know what? Your future trips are more important than this trip today. And so when to have that wisdom to do those things. And then one of the things that we love to do is to teach as we go. Our best discipleship times are when we're walking 5, 6, 7, 10, 15 miles with other leaders and just talking life and then allowing that just to lead to great gospel, biblical conversations. We found those to be the best discipleship times. For you guys, it might be just drive around town and talk to each other. Uh, because you find that that's where you can connect and do things, and we really enjoy that. We took advantage of that. Evening times, we love just to, after everything died down, just to sit there and just talk through the day. And then one of the things that we have loved of how God has permeated the culture of these places, this is a wedding. Now, it does, and you might not think a lot of this, but let me explain the story behind this. In the Malagasy culture, you would probably never have a man ever, ever, ever tell his wife he loved her. Most women live their lives without anybody ever telling them, I love you. And then you have pastors like this, and there's a lot of these that have taken place, that they say, because of what God's done in my life, and because I want to be an example of Christ's love for the bride and, and how I love in the church, I want to really marry my wife in the correct way. They say we finished it through a traditional way. I exchanged the cows and goats. I've done everything from the traditions. 
but I've never done it before God. And then you would have men like this stand up in front of the church, and this time it was the whole village and guests from all around, and for the first time in her life and probably many women's uh, lives in Madagascar, they hear a man say to her, today I declare my love to you, and I love you. Not because of anything that you've done, because of what God's done in me, and they just show this true love of God of how he has changed their lives. And it's been beautiful to see God so take the hearts of people that they become so dependent on him that even the culture that they're living is beginning to change. And others are seeing that. And so you've heard us talking about what we need to know. It's important that we know those things. As Adam mentioned, it's not all that there is to it, but it's still important to know what the word of God says, to know what he's called us to, and to be who he's called us to be, to abide in Christ. But there's one more component. We can know it, we can be it, but we've got to do it. We've got to live it out. We have to take that step of faith to live out what he's called us to, each of us individually, to do our job. And we've found a verse here, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Especially since we've been in Nairobi, this verse has really resonated with us, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're jars of clay. We're fragile. But it's not about us. It's about God's surpassing power and doing the work that he's called us to do because he is God. So we're going to show you some more pictures as we walk through. Um, it's hard for us this stateside just to focus on what we're doing now because what we were doing in Madagascar is still so much a part of us. And we were in Madagascar for quite a while during this last term. But this here is a picture of where we live. This is the city of Port Dauphin. And it was hard to leave, but it was clear that God was calling us away. And so we trust in him as we follow him in obedience to continue to do what he's called us to do. So, of course, when you think Madagascar, you think lemurs. Uh, and for those of you that grew up with Zabumafu, this is a Safaka lemur that dances around on its side. It doesn't walk normal. Uh, and so that's what you find. And then before COVID hit last March, Susie's family, so you have Susie's parents there and her sisters and Josh, our now son-in-law, was there with Phoebe and Emma. And they came right before everything went crazy. And the president of Madagascar was in our town. And we pulled up to a hotel we normally eat at this restaurant. And it was full of police, and I was like, well, go see what's going on. I had to park like a block and a half away. <laughs> and they were like, come on in. And one, they knew us because we had, mm -hmm. and then the other is, they said, would you like to meet the president while you're here? Now notice, there's no mask being worn in this picture. The president is happy to have us. Our family just got off an airplane flying through Europe. There was no concern. Three days after this picture, chaos hit. Their tickets got canceled. They were stuck in Madagascar. We had to figure everything else. And we've all lived through the chaos of the past year. But I just wanted to show this. One, how cool it is to be the president of the country. And we had a great conversation with him. And he thanked us for our mission work and going on. But the other is, man, a lot of things changed. But God worked out the details. But he God was faithful to get them home. Yeah. We're thankful for that. And then this picture we have masks on so you can see the change of what took place over a couple of weeks but this is a cool place and this is where we're talking about those leaders being developed in the middle the the tall gentleman there his name is mommy tina 
uh, which means sweet love, which I think is kind of a cool <laughs> name. Uh, and so Mommy Tina and his wife, uh, they are working in a theological school. He just finished up seminary here at in Fort Worth, Texas, and he moved back to Madagascar last year, and he's starting his uh, theological education school. And then we have on the other side in the black jacket, Radu, he and his wife are working on a mission school, and this is their place where they broke ground on their building. So the mission school is going to help the Malagasy leaders have very practical missiological principles that they can use, but also life skills of how they can have a, li- a livelihood to live in those places and survive without having some major issues. So we're really excited about these two guys, and they're phenomenal, uh, just men and women of the Lord. This is Pastor John Dodio. One of the things that we were blessed with last stateside was some water filters, and we were able to take them to them and work. Now, most of the water that they drink comes from mud holes whenever it rains. So like yesterday, there was flash flood warnings here. They would love that because same thing out in the desert where we were at, and then they just go out and start filling up buckets wherever there's flood waters there. So the water's dirty, and to be able to have clean water is such a blessing to so many people. And then a church building. All right, so look around your building. Look at your pew. And praise God that you're not on just a little piece of wood on the floor. Uh, And so this is a church building out in the bush of Andrew Land. The gentleman in the front, I think, is 95 years old. So for those of you that are complaining about the comfort, it could be worse. Uh, (laughs) And so, um, but we we look at that. But the praise of the Lord Jesus Christ is the same. Maybe different languages, but the adoration that we want to give to God is exactly the same. And what an interesting photo to look at. And then just getting to places. It's not easy. These are little ferries that we have to cross over certain rivers on one side. There's a, there's a list of 55 and 5 we'll talk about. This is getting to one of those people groups. They're unreached and unengaged because it really is hard to get to them. And it takes a lot of effort. And when you go on these ferries, they're not always working. So you have to plan on maybe making it in one day or maybe making it in a week or two weeks. You just don't know how long it's going to take to fix things. So you're always prepared as you're heading out. But once you get to the places, it's amazing. And God is faithful just to continue to allow relationships to grow and to see great things. And I would say as, as we're faithful to do what the Lord has called us to do, it's our task to empower others to go and share likewise. And so as I look at these pictures, I'm just reflecting on the fact that these people you're seeing, they're also obeying that call to go and to do what God has called them to do. And that's why we've seen so much growth is because they are very passionate about learning and about sharing what they've learned with others. And so it's not dependent upon us or one person, but being obedient to go and share and train them to go and share. And we're seeing results of that in Madagascar. And you never know what God's going to do. One thing we learned in in Madagascar is at the beginning, things were very slow. But this is an example here. We went to this village after our last stateside. It was an area that was closed. One of my good friends was like, hey, they want you to come and share Jesus. So we went out there, seen. And that day, 70 people gave their life to Jesus. And they were so excited. They even brought us over and they said, this land here, we're building a church tomorrow. We're going to have a church here. And I'm like, wait, it doesn't happen like that, guys. Like, you can't move that fast. But they really did. Like, mm-hmm. as God was moving on hearts and our national brothers and sisters became so much better at what they did, things progressed much quickly than what Susie and I could do. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things we really celebrate of how God has worked. And this place had charms. Um, like, if I, I'm not, might scare you, but 
that demon possessions and all sorts of other things that were present, and God just redeemed them. They just had their first baptisms because there was no rain and no water close by them over Easter weekend. And over Easter weekend in this church and a couple others, there's over 150 people were baptized in the bush of Andruyland. And so God has been doing amazing things even through COVID. And this is what baptisms look like. Uh, some are in the ocean, and then some are in the rivers. Some are in mud holes. Uh, you just don't know what it's going to look like, but they're all amazing. This one here was a place that was so bad, like hard. Like it, you'd lock your doors and you drive through the city. And then God began opening hearts. And this was the first baptisms at this church there from a very hard ground that now is becoming softer and softer. And the gospel of Jesus is moving forward. And so we had ministries among the people in the bush, and I did a lot of work in the city. So this was the pastor's wife, Cecilia, that I would meet with, and we would visit and share and pray and plan together. And in this particular picture, I was able to, to provide her a pair of glasses so that she could read her Bible again. She was struggling with that. But together, we were able to raise up some leaders within the church, women that could go back to their neighborhoods and begin Bible studies and begin sharing with those that were in their area. And, of course, we, we have fun. Now, we actually didn't go out on this dugout canoe that day, but River was playing around, and it's always fun. I have been out on dugout canoes. It's not as much joyful fun as you think it is. <laughs> I, I didn't breathe for 45 minutes, I think, and any time I moved, it really felt like we were about to fall in. With, with water up to the edges. Water up to the edges, <laughs> and so, um, but we made it. We do things for God's glory. Yes. And then one way that God has really challenged us and blessed us this is a tomb of an Andre man. It's the uncle of the guy in the front there with the white flip-flops, Filson, a friend of ours. And one of the things that the Andre people do, they would have elegant tombs. They live in little shacks, but they have these large, massive, and they put pictures of things that influence them throughout their life. And a lot of times it was like um, Bruce Lee, uh, TV shows they have, Britney Spears would end up on some, all these crazy things. We made a tomb after we moved away. And so we don't know what that means because this isn't a Christian tomb. But what we do know is that it does demonstrate how our hearts and the Malagasy people's hearts were beginning to unite. Mm -hmm. And so we, we just love them and that there's a remembrance. So we pray that as somebody looks at that tomb and says, who are those white people? What are they doing on there? That our friends around the area would say, oh, well, that's Adam and his family. They came and shared Jesus with us. Mm -hmm. Let us share with you what they shared um, here as well. And so it's pretty amazing how God has used different things to move us along. And then this was our house uh, in Port Dauphin. Thank you for it. You may have always wondered what we lived in. It was cinder block, um, two stories, not super big, but it was, it was our home. And we really enjoyed living there. Mm -hmm. And so now we come to Nairobi. And we're running out of time, so we're going to go a little quick through Nairobi. But if you ever think of Nairobi, think of a rockfish. And that's the shape of Nairobi. And so anytime you see a rockfish, you can stop and pray for Nairobi mm -hmm. and what God's doing. Now, Nairobi's interesting. You can have very much Africa, like this picture, where you just ride on the back of a motorcycle. Um, but it can also be just amazing, beautiful areas. Trees, mm -hmm. open spaces. This is uh, outside of the house that we live in now. And then here's a picture of the yard there. We live on a compound, just beautiful, large trees. The weather in Nairobi is, is very, very nice. Lows in the upper 50s, highs in the upper 80s year-round. And so we're thankful to be in a place that's not quite as extreme as we were in Madagascar. And then you have the, the masses. So this area here is behind where we live. 
It's probably about 10 square miles, but 160,000 people live in that. And so it's just apartments upon apartments and people everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so it, it is a major, so to hit 160,000 people in the bush takes a lot of work mm -hmm. uh, to do that. But we can just walk behind our, our house into that back neighborhood and we're impacting the lost there. Probably Baptistic, there's one church now being planted mm -hmm. uh, out of all these 160,000 people. And so we're working to see how God can use us and others to see his kingdom come in that part. And he uses disciples. Uh, so here we have one of our other colleagues, Billy, but then we also have Surreal and uh, in the sweater next to me. Then we have Fex, and then we have uh, Francis, and these three guys are phenomenal. Uh, they are some, some of the best guys that I've met, and they love Jesus, and they have been working for his kingdom purpose. Since I've known them, I think between all of them and, and trainings that we've done, over 200 people have come to Christ just by them going out and being faithful, and they're starting Bible studies all over the place. Mm -hmm. And so they really are the young men that are just on fire for the Lord and great um, just servants of things. Mm -hmm. And in the church, we went from, you know, these rural churches in the bush of Madagascar to a church now of 1,200 people. Um, they have 60 Sunday school teachers, and they have a lot of good things going. But they recognized they were weak in evangelism and discipleship. And so they asked us to come, and this was a training that we did, to share some of those evangelism tools with them. And even River got into it as he was practicing the two kingdoms. And then we've worked in hard places. Now, Nairobi has million-dollar homes and then slums. And slums are a lot of shacks. This is a school in the slums. So just to give you an understanding, I got in an Uber to go out there because I've never been there before, working with Pastor Joseph in the white shirt there. And uh, he's a teacher at the school. And the Uber guy says, you ever been to that neighborhood? No. He goes, neither have I. I don't think we should go. I was like, well, I have an appointment, so we must go. And I'm paying you to take me there. So he, he did that. So we get there, and I call Pastor Joseph. I say, hey, we're here. He says, do not step out of your car. You'll be robbed as soon as you step out. I said, I'll just wait in the car. Thank you. Uh, and so then I wait for him. He comes. We go through there. Everything worked out great. But it is that. It's a large city, so you can have places where you feel absolutely 100% safe all the time. And others, you just need somebody to walk with you. Because if you show up by yourself, it's going to be a little dangerous. So we work on learning how we should do that. But it was fun. This, these kids were phenomenal, attentive, listening to every word of, of God. And when they come to Christ, baptisms there look a little different. They do have baptistries in some churches. Uh -huh. And then we're able to carry around inflatable pools that some of our colleagues have <laughs> and different things. It's a different world. Uh, this young lady here, Mary, was who we were sharing with last night that mm -hmm. came to Christ that I went to the bar and shared with. This was her baptism uh, of her just saying, I want to follow Jesus. And then you have our friends. These are people that live in the same compound we do. They help take care of it. We fed them Malagasy food, and then they decided to make us Kenyan food, and they made Kenyan food from all over. And I'll let Susie describe the plate for you. Well, you see the white stuff. We like to tell people that's not mashed potatoes. That's the ugali or pop, as they call it in some places. But everything that they cook is just, it's delicious. It's wonderful. And so we were really blessed for their gener generosity of teaching us new things. And sometimes when you don't like it, you can just say, well, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> and then here are some of my disciples. The Lord led me, as I was sharing last night, to Elizabeth, my fruit stand seller that I've just been able to visit with on a regular basis. And he led me back into teaching Sunday school. I've always loved to teach, had a heart for the children, and I'm able to do that again because English is an official language in Kenya. Um, not everybody speaks English, and so we're trying to learn Swahili so we can share with others as well. But I'm having the opportunity. In my first day of teaching Sunday school, I had about 31 first grade students 
during the first service of the church services that Sunday morning. And so again, we're kind of having our mind blown on how big the congregation is, but thankful for the way that the Lord is, is using um, us. And then we've also been able to provide help there in uh, Nairobi. Uh, there is, somebody was asking about middle class last night, there is a larger middle class section, but but COVID has pretty much wiped out all their savings mm -hmm. of going without work and issues. So we've been able to help out people in the church and outside the church with some basic, uh, we did it at Christmas and a little bit before Easter, before mm -hmm. we came back, just to give them some extras uh, during those needed times. And as we were describing Nairobi, you can have fancy coffee shops mm -hmm. where you pay $5 for your cup of coffee, or you can walk to the corner and drink from this lady for 20 cents, 20 cents a cup of coffee. And so it's such a different world. So as much as it's an urban uh, area, it also has a lot of Africa still in it and how you get around and do things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, what part do we still play? As we wrap up, we want to remind us that uh, we have to be actively proclaiming the good news of Christ. We have to be living out that 222, Timothy, 2 Timothy 22, to entrust to faithful men that, that they'll entrust to others, that reproducibility idea of sharing with others, to equip them, to empower them, and sometimes the hardest part, to release them, to be doing the work and not always hovering right over. But that's the job that we have for all of us that we're tasked to so that we can see others coming to know Christ. I can show. I went ahead and brought this paper. We have a table downstairs that we shared from last night, but we have this 55 and 5. In sub-Saharan Africa, we've chosen 55 unreached, unengaged people groups that we're asking for people to commit to pray for. On this paper, they're listed out 1 through 55. It gives their name, their country, the population, and then it corresponds to the number on the map so you can see where that people group is located. And we'd ask you to commit to praying for one of these people groups. And then we can watch and see how the Lord is going to bring people to share the gospel message with them. Maybe that might include you. And then we want to see these unreached people groups make disciples for Christ. So pick up one of these papers and see who you might be interested in praying for as we commit to lifting up these people groups to the Lord. Yeah, and ours that I chose is the mangoes because it was easy to remember, and I like to eat mangoes. And so anytime I see mangoes, I saw a lady yesterday uh, over by the castle eating a mango, and I thought, I'm going to pray for, the mango, for the mango people mango. as I walk by there. And so it can be as easy as that, or you might find a name that's harder that you have to look up on Wikipedia or something to figure out how to pronounce, and that's okay too. Um, <laughs> And then um, some prayer requests. So we have four new units, uh, journeymen that came, they're all singles. Uh, and because we inherited them and it's not how we planned it, they were there for two weeks and then we left for our stateside. And so they've been doing language and culture learning without their supervisors there, which being in charge of that is not a great example, but um, <laughs> it's kind of what you have to do sometimes. Our daughter was getting married and we had no choice on this one. Uh, but would you pray for Andrew, Mackenzie, Lauren, and Diane? that God would just continue to fill their hearts with his truth, that they would be patient with language and culture learning, and that as the COVID restrictions come and go in different places, that they would be able to uh, be fluid with how they need to change what needs to happen in their life as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And then pray for our family. Um, our time is coming. We have about a little over a month left here in the States before we head back. And just continue to pray for our families, that we'd have good times with them. Uh, and that we would just really enjoy the, the moments, uh, not necessarily big events, but just the small moments that we get to sit with them and hang out. And then uh, COVID issues in Madagascar and Kenya are still, it, there's an ebb and flow, and there's still large times of it. It's gotten a little better. And then our question for you, how can God use you? Um, I'm praying that God unites our hearts even more, 
we, we have some trainings we would love to have you guys come out and help us with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we would love to have you just come to Nairobi and work alongside. I know Nathan wants to come. Uh, and so <laughs> we, uh, we, we'll see. We'll see who's going to come with him. So, uh, all right, he's, he's standing, raising his hand. We've got a decision ready. today, Greg. He's got it ready. So, <laughs> um, and then thank you for all that you guys do. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for giving the missions, uh, for praying for us. You guys uh, respond, and you, you help us out, and we know you guys get our updates, and you pray, and, and we just want to say thank you. And then for all the missionaries, for your faithfulness with Lottie Moon Christmas offering, for, for other state offerings, for just how you always are thinking and doing things for others. We just really appreciate you, and just know it's not unnoticed by all of us. And, uh, and we just say, yeah, we just want to finish with that. Uh, let me pray, and then I'll have uh, Pastor Duke come up. Lord, we just give you glory and honor. And God, may everything that we're displaying and sharing always point back to you, that Susie and I would not get any of the praise, but that it would always go to you. And we thank you because without you, we can't do anything. And Lord, we thank you for how we've seen you at work, and we just pray you continue to allow us to see you at work. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right. Um, I want to invite you to to stand, and as we have our response time tonight, today, uh, pray for their work, but also for all they just mentioned, Um, and just the ways that that God can work through you and be glorified in, in making more.